Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another rousing edition of Relationship Theory. I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the woman that I have just spent the last like nine days just like solid with. And it was amazing. Lisa Bilyeu, what is up, homegirl? What's up, baby? Hi, guys. Welcome. Uh, glad to be back and kind of not at the same time. I'm 100% glad to be back. Yeah. But I really enjoyed our trip. I know. Really, really enjoyed our trip. And the sort of last like three days of the trip, I found myself asking like, how do I, even though I'm with you literally, literally, virtually every second of the day, the only time we spent apart was if I woke up before you, I'd go straight to the gym. Um, but even the gym we spent together a couple of the mm-hmm. days. So I just, how do I get more time, more like, I don't know. I was like really wanting to just engage at the deepest possible human level. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And even when we weren't interacting, we just like, I don't know, there's something about proximity that really makes a difference. Like we're both, if we're both doing the same thing. Like we're reading next to each other. When right. I say reading, you're reading, I'm playing with my phone. Yeah. I'm tanning, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we'd even put like our beds so that he was in the shade and I was in the sun. So even though we um, we kind of a- approach it in different ways, we're still together. Yeah. So, okay. So first question. Let's get down to it. This is from Facebook from last week from Christian Ortega. You guys are very unique and smart individuals. Oh, thank you. I'm 25 <laughs> years of age and I love all of your advice you guys are sharing. How do you guys deal with your differences? Like when you don't agree on certain things? All right. Go. Well, um, our whole thing is communicate, communicate, communicate. So we talk through these things. We define terms, which is a big part of overcoming differences is really establishing what words mean to each person so that I think in in standard communication a lot falls between the gaps of what you mean versus what the other person means what you're trying to convey versus what you actually convey um, and then having rules of engagement so um, how do we deal with 
when somebody upsets the other person, like how should you respond and react in moments like this? So one of the things that we do is if something really upsets us, gets, a, gets under our skin, one of our rules of engagement is to ask yourself the question, does the person love me? And as long as the answer is yes, and you know that they're not intentionally trying to upset you. So if they're not intentionally trying to upset me, then how do I back into figuring out what they want? And one of the ways, and another rule of engagement is to say like, I'm not sure what you're intending to communicate, but here's what I'm feeling. This is what you're making me feel. And when you say that, then it's like, whoa, like that's how I came across was not my intention. And let's really work through that. Um, in terms of like cultural differences and things like that, it really comes down to, okay, what are the things that are really important to you? What are the things that are important to me? Establishing those things, um, letting like, for instance, um, I'm not a religious person. I consider myself aggressively spiritual, but I'm not mm. um, religious. But I had to convert to Greek Orthodox in order to get married in a Greek church, well, which was very important. I was going to say, because you didn't have to convert. You had to convert if we were going to get married in a Greek church. <laughs> but what I mean is, sure. but you were, you were willing to do it, right? Because that was important to me. Right. So, I just make sure that's... Yeah, no, for sure. And... Um, us going through the process of you saying, look, I really want to get married in a Greek church. That's very important mm -hmm. to me. And so understanding that converting to it doesn't change anything about me or my belief system or whatever. Um, so going through that process is a way to respect something that was important to you. But I wouldn't have known how important it was to you had you not communicated it. Um, and then I communicated with you through the whole process. So, I mean, there's, it's like we could sort of keep going through um, mm. each individual thing, but at a high level, it's really communicating, over-communicating what's important, establishing rules of engagement, and then defining terms. I think those are sort of the three really high-level yeah. items that we use. I think that um, you getting christened, though, that's actually a really strong example because um, you didn't believe in God. I did. I was brought up very, you know, in a very religious Greek Orthodox community. And for me, it wasn't, I need you to believe in God, because I don't think that that defines you. So that didn't make a difference to me, um, whether you did or not. But it was important that we got married in a Greek church. And so we just had that communication, right? We, you said to me, look, um, I will happily do it. Because if this is what you've been dreaming of your whole life to get married in a Greek Orthodox church, then I'm not going to hold back. And I'm not going to, um, be the person or be the one that's not going to give you what you want. But also you need to understand this doesn't mean that I'm going to convert and this doesn't mean that I am going to believe in God. And so we kind of sat down and we had that discussion of those differences of our beliefs, of what we see. And I was like, that's fine. Like, I don't need you to. What is most important to me is to be married in a Greek church. So we figured it out. So figuring out your differences and like you said, like what are those um things that you can discuss going forward, even as small as the suntan thing. Like when we went on our honeymoon, um, and I actually mean our honeymoon, not what you refer to as this vacation, I really loved sunbathing. I wanted to be by the pool. I wanted a tan. Um, that was what I had known as a summer vacation. That was what I really wanted. And you were not Mr. Tan. You were not Mr. Paul. You, like, you were like, I want to do activities. I want to do things. I want to read. And so again, we had like these two completely different ideas of what a vacation was. And instead of just butting heads, we're like, okay, so what do you want to do? What do I want to do? How do we make that work as one trip? 
So we found a place that had all these activities. It had a pool, ta- uh, a ping pong table. It had bowling. It had go karts. But it also had um, like three swimming pools, beautiful restaurants. And so we basically split up, split up our days, where we would be in the like I'd be in the sun during the day. You'd be under the umbrella. You would read, and then at night we would go and go bowling or do the go karts or play basketball or something like that. So. Yeah, compromise, finding ways to make yeah, it work for Schweiz. Compromise, because I think that's the thing. When people think differences, sometimes they like put their flag in the. They, is it put the plant plant the flag, the flag? Yeah, plant the flag. They plant the flag, and then there's no compromise anywhere. It's actually a really good point. Wanting the other person, the words I use in my own head are wanting the other person to win, right? Like mm-hmm. wanting, wanting you to have the vacation that you right. want. I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And when you resent what the other person wants, um, it gets hard. Now. Let's really get into a weird example, um, working out. So I hate working out just as like a general state of being. And then really on a vacation, the last thing I want to do is work out. And it actually makes me feel guilty if you go work out. So mm, yeah. like, how do you deal with that, right? So it, and it is really random that this vacation I happen to, for whatever reason, like really... Um, get interested in working out as a way to earn my food. So it was very different this time, and I worked out for my own reasons um, on this trip. But historically, like that's always been a problem. Mm-hmm. And dealing with that has actually been one of the harder things because now it's something where normally we would just say, okay, you do you, I'll do me, right? At it's home, like, you mean? No, 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 on vacation. Oh, right, right. So you do what you want in that time, right? To have the selfish time, even on vacation. So if you want to go spend it working out and I want to spend it reading or you just do that. But what happens when the thing that you want to do ends up being like a trigger, which I actually hate this whole trigger culture, but like is like some weird trigger for the other person. Then what do you do? And that really comes down to, again, communicating, like understanding that you really enjoy it. You really get a neurochemical rush. Mm. When people talk about endorphins and all that and working out, mm. like they're literally talking about you. They're definitely not talking about me because that is <laughs> not the experience that I have. Um, so in those moments, it, I think you really have to rely on your code technique where I'm sitting there saying, okay, if, if she wants to do it, it doesn't make sense for me to sit there and go, well, that bothers me. You shouldn't even be able to do it. So even though that's emotionally what I'm feeling and I'm wishing like, oh, I really wish you wouldn't do that because then it makes it like calls attention for me in my own head that I'm not doing it. And, yeah. you know, what does that say about me? So really being able to rise above your emotions, which I think is huge and understanding that like what somebody else is doing for them, like if that bothers you, that's on you, mm. right? And that this is literally why I get so wound up. I get triggered by trigger culture. Is like it's not understanding that at the end of the day, the whole like you freaking out over something, that's about you, right? And it's not necessarily about that other person. Because we actually had that discussion on this on the Saturday. You turned around, you're like, um, oh no, on the Friday, because it was our last day. And you're right. like, it's our last day, I'm not gonna work. And I was like, okay. And then after so I was like, but I kind of want to, like, I really like the gym. I really like, so I was like, 
but am I going to make him feel guilty if I do? He kind of said he did, he wasn't going to, and it kind of felt like he was saying it as like an us, like it's our last day. And so is he going to feel like it being our last day? Am I now like not caring that it's our last day if I want to go do something selfish? And so I'm literally running through all these thoughts in my mind. Like, do I say something because I know you, you always want to make me happy. So if I say you may go, yeah, fine. But deep down you may be disappointed. So I'm running through all these thoughts. And then I thought, you know what, just articulate right we're always about communication so I'm just gonna say it to you and then you need to trust the other person's gonna be honest back so when I said to you babe I actually really want to work out how do you feel about that and you're like oh yeah that's fine like I think because we dealt with the guilt in the past but you know I was worried that that would trigger guilt in you and then make you feel bad and now you're not working I didn't want that to do that to you because it's your vacation and at the same time I wanted to do this selfishly for me so it's like, like kind of weighing the options but I think always ultimately be upfront about it yeah for sure um okay let's get to know oh, we've got questions coming oh and guys I forgot to do the whole intro Shame thing I know I'm sorry so um out of rhythm I think that's the problem if this is bringing you guys value please do share this video um and also put some questions in the comment box and we'll get to them so all right so we've got some questions already coming in nice um let's do it all right, so this question is from Ellie Wong. Hi guys, my name is Ellie and I love your content, especially with relationship theory. Nice. Thanks, Ellie. Um, I am a two year and counting busy entrepreneur, plus I just got married three months ago to the nice. love of my life. Really, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. My question is when you're spending a lot of time together, such as your time in Bora Bora, what is your favorite way to conversationally engage with each other, to know more about each other and grow? Well, we have a very easy answer to that yeah. question. Um, we are fiends about asking each other questions. So we actually keep a list, or I should say I make a list yeah. when we go. Uh, we've looked questions up online, like, but we try to have a pretty robust list of questions to ask each other, intriguing questions, weird questions, funny questions, would you rathers, um, just all kinds of like crazy stuff to get into the like really nitty gritty nuance of uh, the way that the other person's mind works. And that has always been so much fun for us. It The best is when, like you even said one time, because I gave a truthful answer and you were like, that's true, but quite boring. And I thought, yeah, it is true. Like, it was a boring answer. Unfortunately, it happened to be the truth. And so making stuff up just to be interesting doesn't make any sense. But like the point of the questions is to try to get to a question where the answer will be revealing, where it will tell you something that like you don't actually know. And, you know, at 17 years of having played the question game together, it does get harder and harder to find things that you can't predict the answer. Um, but nonetheless, it's just as rewarding now as it was in the beginning but that like to the point where this is so much fun for us that we've decided that we're actually going to publish a book of questions yeah. based on the questions that we've asked each other that we think uh, would be really revelatory for couples no matter whether you're just getting together or you've been together for ages so that'll be a lot of fun yeah it's um you think you know each other. You think you know everything. And that's one thing I love about this show is you guys asking questions makes me have to think about something, makes you have to think. And then it's in those, it's the little nuances that you don't necessarily think about on a day-to-day -day basis or in a regular conversation that brings it out. And so we were coming up with questions um, even over this last week. And there was a question you had, which both of us were like, 
wow, I didn't know this about the other person. And it was, if you could bring back one thing, one trait or something you used to do right, for a me, a behavior that you used to do that, um, that you don't do now, what would it be? So if I could bring back a behavior for you and you for me. Um, and that was so interesting because for you, it was like the little like logistic things that you don't really want to deal with. Right. But you were like, but I understand why you don't do it because you're so busy and you, you know, right. we've become partners in the business, but I actually do miss this. Um, and so, yeah, like even the little things like, and I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was such a thing. Like out of everything you could bring back, it was like the things of like me packing for you. So, or like me tickling you, like he loves touch. So just like a little tickle on the shoulder, literally it could be so haphazardly, but haphazard, but you just, you love that so much. So since you said that, it hit me so hard that on vacation I said, babe, I'm going to pack for you. You're like, are you sure? No, what do you mean? It's like, well, I heard you. Like, and I think that's important as well when you have the question and answer game that you actually listen to the answer and then you actually like, okay, is this something I'm willing to change? And you don't have to. I don't think it has to be like, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and I mean, definitely. These are not meant to be necessarily that sort of hardcore transformational it's meant to just be fun answers but every now and then one will hit and it's like oh wow like i didn't realize that i and i I don't remember what made me think of that question but i you know just thinking about how much people change over time and um you know i'm a huge proponent of change but there's definitely times where things fall away that you don't do anymore that like might really be um missed and i thought and like a lot of I would say more than 90% of the time, I don't even know how I'll answer the question when it's Mm -hmm. turned back on me because it's, you know, never just like I ask you this question, then you ask me a different question. It's always tit for tat. So I ask you, then you reverse it on me and vice versa. And a lot of times I'm like, wow, like when this comes up, I have no idea how I'm going to answer it. And so some of it is the self-exploratory as well. And so this was an awesome question, which again, like you have to be careful, like making sure that you have a relationship where you can be honest, because sometimes it could end in fights and disaster and you do not want that. But the one question you asked was, um, if there's a trait, right, like what's the one trait that drives you nuts about the other person? Now, again, like you can imagine if you guys aren't close and you can't communicate properly, that can really end. Like, what do you mean? I don't do that. And right. it can come a whole argument. But we had that question. It's like, what is the one trait if you could change about the other person that you were going to change? And I was so surprised by your answer. I still can't believe you were surprised. Like that, that in and of itself was revelatory to me. I was like, so we've been together for 17 years. Yes. 17 years. We've been married for 15, but 17 years. And he said the one thing that annoyed the most annoying thing about my. That's not how I phrased the question. I said, what is one thing that you wish I would do less? Nice and soft. Do not yes. like, what's that? I, 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 it's so funny. I did not interpret that question like that. I'm, I am like, sure What is the most didn't. annoying yes, thing? Yes, that isn't, that isn't what I asked. But anyway, so he said, it's that I'm fussy. Yeah. I, I know that I'm fussy and I know that it kind of bothers you. But and that of, I say it routinely. But out of everything, it's, I so didn't interpret it as that is the most, the biggest thing that you would change about me. That's, I... To this very minute, I can't believe that's a yeah. surprise. I so literally... immediately, like, I was like, oh, well, the great news is I can change that. Because I didn't realize it was that much of a, like, a burden, not a burden on you, but, like, that much of a pain point. I was like, with the 
now you've just enlightened me. And I felt so thankful for that question because um, then as we were leaving Bora Bora, they had like a boat and there was this whole boat issue thing and like to take us to the airport. And I was like, I don't care, whatever. And I literally told myself, Lisa, why do you care? Don't be fussy. These are the little things that like, that dig at him. So just shrug it off. So I was like, oh, whatever. And even after you were like, I, so, I can't believe how chewed you right. were I know. It. I was very impressed. You were more frustrated than I was about the situation. Yeah. It was a time where I actually cared about the outcome. Yeah. But you were super chill. And I, like, you were so chill that I noticed. I was like, <laughs> uh... This is not normally a time where you But again, chill. like anything that I think you can do to improve your relationship is can be so beautiful. And in that question, after 17 years, it was a light bulb. So I'm going to do my best to be less fussy. Oh, I'm going to have to remind myself because anything yeah, I can yeah, get happens. Yeah, of course, of course. But um, yeah, but that's a great question if you guys do dare to ask your partner that. <laughs> um, but you have to listen with open ears and open arms, right? It oh, can't be man. like... You can't have your guard up because it will be a negative thing, right? That's the whole almost purpose of the right. conversation. Yeah, don't don't lead with that one. Don't let's lead with let's that make one, sure yeah. that we're in very warm emotional waters uh, before we dabble with that one. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, so after that we were like, you know what, we really should do a book of questions because even now it actually helps mm. us. And then the would you rather sometimes they can be really fun and just an insightful yeah. thing into people's personalities. All right, so next question. Um, this is from Rohan Walla Walker. Nice. That's a cool last name. That is a cool last name. Um, I just like saying it. Tom, I'm pretty young and have never had a long-term relationship. I think that soon I may want to try it again. Um, never really had a long, I think that soon I may want to try it again. How would you recommend finding someone comfortable with my ambition who would support rather than distract from it? Is it okay to have different views on ambition? Ooh. Whoa. Okay. So, uh, I would say that ambition is one of those pillar things that I would, I think it's super dangerous. Do you think both people opinions. Need- Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's one of those areas where if you don't see eye to eye on that, you don't need to both be ambitious. Right. You need to both recognize what that ambition is ambition is mm-hmm. and see it the same way. So when you and I got together, um, certainly our ambitions didn't, like they weren't the same. You weren't out there trying to be a career woman, but you did have ambitions in film. And I would say very grand ambition. So seeing grand ambition in me was not anything weird for you. Like dreaming big, believing in yourself, those were all things that you did. And so I think you could see them in me and they weren't weird for you. Um, But we talked very, I mean, literally, even before we got married, I said, you could ask me to give anything up except my ambition. Like that is just something I've had total clarity on for a very, very long time. I said, the one thing you can never ask me to give up is that because it would change fundamentally who I am. I would not be able to enjoy my own life Mm -hmm. if I couldn't pursue that. Like it's so in me. It's so something that burns in me that I fanned those flames since I was like 12 years old to really want something big. Now, all of the laziness and everything that everybody's heard me talk about wasn't for lack of ambition, it was for lack of drive. And so drive is really something that came a lot later for me, but ambition I've, I've had for a very, very long time. And I think if people don't see eye to eye on that, it's going to be just insanely frustrating. It's like what I tell people, look, I'm not the guy to come to if you want a stress-free life. Like I, I have nothing to offer you other than to say, turn off the podcast. <laughs> That's like about all I can help you with because 
to me, that is so innate and fundamental to how I view my own life and what I have spent all my time focusing on and trying to get good at and optimizing for that is to be able to actually execute against that. So work hard, smart, and long hours, right? Like that's just, it's a core tenet of my existence. So if you are with somebody like that and what you really want is a stress-free life, like there, and by the way, neither of those is right. There's no objective right and wrong. There's only like what you actually want and if you're not being honest, A, about what it is that you actually want, like if I was like, no, 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 like it's fine, like I, I would chill life, that sounds great. And in fact, we were so on vacation, having a great time, and I said I could be a writer full time, like I could do that and just write, write, write and have a Stephen King-like existence where all I do is write amazing stories and get them published. And you said, I don't buy it. And I was like, that's absolutely not true. Like, I really could enjoy that. And then you said, yes, but you would then go, what if we published our own books? And then what if we, like, found other writers and, like, published them as well? And she said, then all of a sudden, like, you're your own publishing company, and that's you. Like, that's what that, like, no matter what we point ourselves at, it becomes, you become the studio, you become the business, you become, and I was like, that, that is very insightful and very true and almost certainly is whatever trajectory that I would go on but make no mistake that I would enjoy that. But it was a, a very keen insight into knowing how my mind works and how things escalate and how I want to play in a world stage and how that will sort of always manifest mm. itself. So if you're with somebody who's like that and you haven't come to terms with that, you don't have either a yin-yang approach to it, right, where we spent a lot of years there where it was like I was the ambition, I was the drive, I was out there building something and you saw yourself as a support mechanism to that and so we were locked together in lockstep trying to build something, each playing a very different role. It's evolved over time, and now I think you have your equally compelling ambition and drive, and, and we've been very careful to keep them um, working together on the same things and all that, but it's definitely changed over time. So I think that's a pillar thing. I think you have to um, agree on that. I think another pillar thing is growth mindset. I do not think people can be in a functional relationship as if one person has a growth mindset and the other has a fixed mindset. And look, that's a spectrum. It's not binary. But I think if you can't agree on whether people should at all times trying to be improving themselves, I think that you're just set up for absolute disaster. Um, but for instance, I think that an optimist and a pessimist actually can work together. So there are things where you can be very opposite mm -hmm. and, and find like an, an actual functional balance. And I think there are other things that are totally pillar. So um, to go back to the question, I think you need to identify what are all those pillar things that you need to agree on. And there's probably not that many, um, but you need to really make sure that you see eye to eye on those things. And then the other stuff, you know, sort of discovers you go and polish off the things that, that become more problematic, like the fussiness, for instance, which doesn't resonate with me. I think that, um, you know, up to a point, fine, but like it starts to spill over. But we've been together for 17 years and it's certainly nowhere even approaching a make or break. Um, so just figuring those things out. And then what was the other part of it? Like, how do I go about finding it? Um... Is it okay to have different views on ambition, which so is a problem rather already than answered. distract from it? How would you recommend finding someone comfortable with my ambition who would support rather than distract from it? So I now I'm going to, I think people can probably guess my answer to that, but there's a trickier part in that that I want to address, which is he's made the assumption that 
his ambition is the right thing. And so I, I can feel mm. in that him like planting a flag and seeing himself as like, I found yeah. sort of the morally superior position. I'm, I'm being very aggressive in my language right now. And I'm sure emotionally does not feel that way for him. I just want to be really, really clear that the idea would be to broadcast who you are and to find somebody who's like-minded. It would not be to convince other people to think like you think. <laughs> so I don't think ambition is superior to a stress-free life. It just happens to be true for me. So I lead with that. I broadcast that. It's why when people ask me like, hey, somebody I really love, they're not ambitious, what should I do? My answer is meet them with compassion and understanding. Empathy, like that's where you should be. It, be a filter. Don't try to change people. So at the end of the day, I get the temptation. I get the feeling like when you have it, you see how happy it makes you and all of that. You think everybody would feel this way and they just won't. So... It's it's really subtle in what he said, but I, I truly believe, even though I'm going to guess right now he's typing away in the comments, no, you've totally misunderstood. This is one of those moments when I interviewed people where I would pull at that thread and I would keep pulling and scratching at that. And in the end, you would see truly, truly, he believes that's how everyone should be. And that is one of those things. It will fuck him up for a very long time until he realizes it's just not true. So basically, whether you're ambitious or not, I think finding someone who can at least understand, respect, and support that position for you, and then vice versa. I'll say it another way. Ambition is a pillar thing. You need to agree on it. It doesn't right, make it right. But you don't have to... Empirically. Both, but you like said a, right at the beginning that you don't have to both be ambitious. And I think that's very true. You, we look at other couples. So even... And I don't know their relationship at all, but Gary V, right? Gary V is so crazy ambitious. Right. He's out there all the time. But I've never seen his wife. Um, but from what he says, they've got a great relationship. Right. So if she's not ambitious, but he really is, and she supports him, then they don't need to be... Um, they don't have to both right. be like Can that. I say it like in a way overly simplified way sure. you've either got to have the trait or find it sexy hmm. so if you have the trait great because now you're both going to understand each other if you don't have it but it's a turn on then you're a-okay yeah that's a good point i like that all right over to the next question um so this is from lewis Ballon balanos Hey guys, greetings from Costa Rica. Love you guys. You have literally changed my life. Oh, wow. thank you. Question, have you ever said something hurtful to each other by mistake? Like you picked the wrong word and that triggered a lot of emotions in your partner. How do you move past that from both perspectives, from the one that said the word and the one that received it? So yes, we absolutely have said things that have hurt the other person. Um, should I just... Going. Yeah, I mean, for um, sure. I can't Give really think right insight. this second, and that's actually sometimes why I like you to go first because I like to think of examples of when it Happily. happened. Um, but I think, yeah, I've definitely said things hurtful to you without meaning it, and you've definitely said things hurtful to me without meaning it. And it goes back to that fundamental question you have to ask yourself in that moment. So, for instance, if I'm the person that's receiving it and you've said something hurtful to me, the first question I always ask myself is, does he love me? Right? Like, absolutely, yes, he loves me. Okay, so if I know that, do I think he's malicious? Do I think he meant to hurt me? No, because that's not who you are. So understanding those, those fundamentals of the other partner is very important. Because I think, God, I don't know what I would do. Like, if, like yeah, he wanted to be malicious. I think I'd, like, we'd have to talk about that. Like, you maliciously tried to hurt me, and that's a problem in a relationship, I think, if you're trying to do that to somebody else. But anyway, so part... 
I told myself, no, he is not trying to be malicious. So I go, okay, so this is a word that for him, he doesn't realize is a trigger for me. He doesn't realize that the way he phrased it really hurt me. But now I have to own it. Why did it hurt me? Why is that a trigger word for me? Because I think that's important too, because that word you may use with somebody else and you don't think twice. Or you may have said that to me before and I may not have been in that mind, that certain emotional state where it hurt me. So I have to kind of backtrack myself and say, well, he said that to me before, like, and it never bothered me. Okay, so this is actually something within me that right now has stung me. Why has it stung me? Okay, it stung me because of this, because you know, three minutes ago you said this and a day ago you said that and now it's kind of an accumulation of things that have been negative. So this very moment, that last negative thing that you said to me is like a trigger. So really understanding yourself and why that was so hurtful is very important. So then you can articulate it. So then we would sit down and I would articulate it to you. This really hurt me. This is why. Or if I didn't know, you'd be like, but why did that hurt you so much? Like why saying it then or why you know in this phrase did that did that upset you and we'll really kind of go through that process um so yeah that's what I do if you've said something that's hurt me um and then in return I would just do the same I'd be like oh my god I didn't realize that hurt you so much it didn't come from a place of wanting to be mean or hurtful but I used it as a strong word and I wanted you to feel the weight of that word but clearly using that word has now shut you down. That wasn't my intention. My intention wasn't to shut you down. It was to get this effect. So what other words can I use that still have that same emotional strength, but not upset you? And then talking through that and figuring out why did this word upset you? What is it about this word that made you feel like that? Or this phrase that made you feel like that? And then letting you know that was not my intention. This is what I intended to do. Um, or sometimes you've said to me, yeah, I wanted to get your attention. Like I use that word because I knew that it would get your attention and you would see the weight of how I'm feeling. So word. I kind of took over. That no, thing. man, get do you, in do on it. Do you have it. anything? Um, I just, I'll put a really fine point on something that you just uh, really articulated well, which is don't flip out. And that's something that we've gotten, ex- like, I'm going to pat us on the back here. We've gotten exceedingly good. And the one thing I would say from our youth that we were much worse at is something would hit us wrong and we would just be like pissed off, like feathers ruffled, tripping out about it. And that we don't do anymore. So now it's like we're, we stay very calm. We articulate. And I love that you led your answer by like all the internal things as the person that just got offended mm-hmm. that you should run through and just to essentially not flip out. And so from that state of not being flipped out, you can actually dissect and figure out both from did they intend to hurt me to should I really be upset about this and you know, really trying to de-escalate, diffuse, and understand um, what exactly just happened. And then I'll just say an unequivocal apology if you were like in the wrong or you did something you didn't intend to do. And this is something that you've really helped me understand is the apology full stop, right? Not the, I'm really sorry that that bothered you, but essentially like I didn't do anything wrong, right? And when you aren't able to find compassion and empathy and and do all the same things as the offender and go, well, did I mean to offend them? Because if I didn't, like, what are we arguing about? So 
Let me just stop, own it, it's all my fault, totally my responsibility. Let me just apologize and stop, not apologize and keep trying to push or whatever, but give them the space to articulate how it made them feel, whatever, and really be listening and not just trying. Because I used to defend myself from feeling bad. Like I didn't want to feel bad. So if I could convince you that you shouldn't have felt that way, then I didn't have to feel bad. And a lot of our arguments started from that. And and it's just patently ridiculous. It's not effective, right? Because you just keep, like you're pushing the other person to, to get more and more upset because you're not validating or not allowing them to be validated even internally for themselves in the way that they feel. And that was one of the things in that letter that I wrote to myself that I addressed, which was, you probably have reason to be upset. Like the person probably really did something that like objectively people on the outside would go, yeah, okay, that was a little bit shitty. Poor choice of words, aggressively delivered, like whatever the case may be, it actually was a misstep. But now as a person who's been offended, you have the choice of do you grab that misstep and go, all right, motherfucker, I've got you now. Like are you looking for a reason to be pissed off and looking for a reason to punish them? Or are you like willing to say with all the grace in the world, like, man, haven't we all been there? I totally get it. Like I am just, I couldn't be more open to understanding how we've ended up here, why you said that, what you meant, all of that. When you can do that, then you'll find that like any little brief blip, they just blow by. But when it's like some part of you either craves the drama or, because here's, and I talked about this before, but drama queens become drama queens because of the heightened emotion. Like, it is intoxicating, whether good or bad, it makes you feel alive, like it's everything to another level. And so when somebody said something to hurt you, piss you off, whatever, like there is an intoxication to that. And the certainty of being offended, like that that offends me and therefore I'm just gonna like roll with it. I'm not gonna try to understand or anything. I'm just going to enjoy the process of being outraged. Mm. And yeah. yeah. And also, um, I remember the first time you did this and it caught me off guard. Um, where you're like, I'm sorry I hurt you, I'm sorry I upset you, but I'm not sorry about how I feel about the situation. I think that's also important because you had said um, just now that um, making sure that you do kind of have that apology discussion or something. Oh, sorry, not want feeling bad um, about hurting me. And I think that people get trapped in that sometimes, so they'll apologize even if they're not sorry. Yeah. Right. It's a. I don't want. I don't like feeling bad about hurting you, and I don't like seeing you hurt. So sorry. And so that you apologize, but you don't actually deal with the issue. You don't deal with the subject that just happened. And like maybe you're not really sorry, but you're just doing it to diffuse the situation. Well, what happens then? Eventually, it will come back up again. Right. It's it will just fester. Mm. So apologizing for the sake of apologizing, we've told each other we don't do. So we'll always say, I'm sorry for upsetting you. I'm sorry that you felt like this. This is what I meant to communicate or this is how I was feeling. I'm not sorry that I feel like that. But it's my responsibility for not having gotten that point across in a non-hurtful manner. Yeah, it's interesting. So there's two really complicated things at play here. Let's see if we can detangle them. So there is apology full stop, where it's, I realize I actually have misstepped and I didn't mean to. And, and um, so either I had a position that now seeing how it's affected you, like makes me reflect and realize, well, I was actually out of line. That's apology full stop. Then there's, I have zero intention of upsetting you. I don't want to hurt you, but we've now come to a values problem where you value one thing, I value another. 
I'm not convincing to you. You're not convincing to me. I'm not going to pretend that you've changed my mind. So that's where we get into that, which is truly with all the empathy and compassion in the world, I'm really sad that my position upsets you, offends you, whatever. So take the fussiness thing, for instance. Um, if you were just like, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you feel that way. I'd be like, oh my God, I am so sad that that's how that makes you feel because I love you beyond all measure and I will put up with fussiness till the end of time. But I actually think it's a bad strategy from an emotional happiness perspective. I can give you the studies on why I think it's a bad strategy. I can give you just like my own empirical experience. I can tell you why I think it's a bad strategy. So I'm not convinced that it's a good strategy. I can't fathom. Feel free to take all the time you want to try to convince me, but I can't imagine you will ever be able to convince me. So that's one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know where to go with that. I don't want to be a dick. I'm not going to keep pushing the issue. Totally understand. I'm not trying to upset you, merely trying to explain my position. Um, so when people understand the difference between those two things, when an apology full stop is, is the only intelligent way forward, and when uh, empathetic, compassionate response to your emotion is needed, but they have not changed your core fundamental belief and how you get beyond that. Though understanding the difference there is really important, but wow. And then also if I'd got upset with that, now I'm kind of training you like that when you're honest, I can't, um, I don't uh, accept it or I don't greet it with open arms. And then it makes you hesitate. Oh God, like um, not you, because I think we've been in this for so long, but people are like, well, why am I going to be honest now? Like you're teaching me that if I'm trying to be honest and I'm trying to communicate with you and you just freak out, like that's not an encouraging act. So if you want to encourage the honesty, you have to embrace it. And when it comes to you, you have to be very um, respectful towards it, I think. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Very well said. All right. Next question. Um, this question comes from Yvette demay Nets. Hello, guys. Thank you for all your wonderful advice. My husband and I are in a difficult place. I'm very angry because he does not help me around the house. He offers little support with our children. And when I try to discuss these things with him, they either improve for just a short time or he will shut the conversation down in anger. I am exhausted and I feel like I am done. Any advice is appreciated. Wow, what an amazing question. We got to do more questions like this. I think this is going to resonate with so many people out there. I read somewhere that it's like one of the like the most problematic and bordering on invisible gender inequality issues. And I'm going to just pretend I don't know that this is true for them. But let's assume they both work the same amount. And this is not like a stay-at-home mom and a working dad, which is a little more complicated. So let's just assume all things are equal. Because of gender roles, guys still assume that the woman should be taking care of more of that stuff. And that's where it gets gnarly. So first and foremost, like it is... This is where like assuming they're both okay with the fact that they both work as well. Because what if the husband secretly like I want you to be a stay-at-home wife and you go out and work? Oh God! Like no, I know. Answer the hard question. Answer the hard question. Wowza. Okay, so let's take one at a time. If you're in the feed, please. um, Uh, Don't because like if you want to feel free, do not feel obligated. That's airing a lot of dirty laundry. Okay, so uh, uh, let's take one at a time. So first, total equality. Okay. They're both on board with them both going to work. Yes. Cool. Let's say they need to work. So it's regardless of whether emotionally they want that to be the case. Okay. They recognize we need the income. So they're both working. We'll pretend they both work the same number of hours. And I will say if you're about to fall into the trap of they both make the same money, now you've got your finger on exactly the fucking problem. Because it doesn't matter who makes more money and who makes less. Okay, let's start with that and let's understand how dangerous the assumption is that it would matter who's making more money. Okay, now the reason I think that that's really important is this is where you get like inequality, that the base fundamental assumptions about how they view the gender roles becomes problematic. So if one person is saying, oh, whoever makes the most money, like that's the what seeps in is that's the more important job or that's the more important person. And so that's where this gets dicey. But what this is a question of is a question of energy units. So you need to come to some sort of agreement. Like when it comes to energy units, we can only apply them to so many things because energy units also take time. That's just a reality of, of energy. So how do we deal with that? What are the things that absolutely have to get done and you have to agree on them? Because this is really a question of values, okay? This is a value collision. Now, 
speaking abstractly, I have no idea if this applies to them. The, the collision of values is, is a bordering on invisible assumption that women should, should is the key word here, take care of the children, take care of the house, do the domestic duties. Because that's the, the assumption that may be invisible to the person making that assumption, their value is to be a good woman, you should be doing this. And so what the fuck are you looking at me for? Like there are other things I should be doing, right? I should be doing, if it's heavy, I should be lifting it. If it has to do with like suffering, I should be doing it. Which by the way, those are, you know, in our dynamic, like if it comes down to like, let's just say that we were about, we were eating and there's one thing left. I will flip the fuck out if you try to give it to me. I'm like, do you not understand like my role? My role is to always be the one going hungry, always be the one cold, always being the one. If there's suffering to be done and it can be chosen who suffers, I firmly believe that suffering should always be mine. Like, I really believe that. But when you're dealing with something where you haven't laid out, like, what are the values? What are we, what are we supposed to be doing here? So if you agree, here are the things that have to be done. The kids have to be taken care of. Do we agree on that? Or not? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, great. So kids are priority number one. Do they come before us or after us, right? Have to have the fucking conversations. And like, where's the breaking point? So is it kids sort of Maslow hierarchy of needs are met first? And then then we meet our Maslow hierarchy of needs. And then the kids sort of enlightenment well, needs are met. What you say? Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like food, shelter, love, safety. I forget what they are. Okay. Look them up very, very easily. It's like a thing. Okay, I do so, like, literally, like, if people want to understand why we work, it's because, despite the fact that you don't remember the name Maslow's hierarchy of needs, these are the kinds of things that we talk about all the fucking time. Like, almost to the point of being, like, contractual. Like, where are our values? true. 100%. And anybody on the outside is going to think it's ridiculous. But things like this, we don't run into these problems, not because we don't have totally screwed up fundamental starting points but because we talk through all this stuff and go oh it's actually a really great point it's like a handshake 100 percent. so and you go through and you have to define like where what are our values how should energy be allocated for instance like if you were so we don't have kids precisely because i can like see through these things and for me what i would want and it just doesn't make sense but like how many things do you do for the kids before you take care of yourself? How many things do you do for the kids like baseball practice, soccer practice, football practice, where it's like you're literally a car service for your children? Like at what point do you go, this is way above Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And now we're getting into the point where I'm sort of my baseline needs are met, but like my emotional needs, right. my entertainment needs, like they're not being met. So like at what point, and they may have totally different definitions. Like I can reach into a world where she's out of her mind and the amount of things she's doing that are 100% elective, meaning the kids don't need them, could be astronomical, right? And so her husband's looking at her going, what the actual fuck is happening right now? Like the number of things, I'm exhausted from my job. I just want to come home and read a good book. I want to come home and have a beer, whatever. And like she's believing that the level to which the kids should be prepared for their future, whatever, taken care of, is, is like literally crazy. That's possible. The other is Jesus. Like they're just making ends meet emotionally for their children and he's lazy as all hell. And like that's the problem. But whatever, like wherever their disconnect is, the way past it is write down. Yeah. What are our values? 
What do we take care of? In what order? How much do we do for the kids before we do for ourselves? How much of our time is allocated to selfish time? I was about to say. Right? Like, yeah. and agree. Yeah. Like, once you agree, then it's black and white. And then it's like, hey, homie, we have this social contract over here where we have agreed these are the things that we do in this order. You're not doing it. Right. So it, it always comes down to like one person has this belief system that they mistake for universal. They mistake for objectively true. Mm -hmm. It's not objectively true. So you have to like have the conversation. I'm shocking myself with how passionately I feel about this. I could keep going on. I'll stop. I think people get the idea. But that's so important though. Like all the things you have to do, all the things that are meaningful to you, even if it doesn't make sense, right? It's like, even if let's say they've done equal and he's like, and I want this because it's meaningful because I really want a nurturing wife. Like if that's meaningful to him, awesome. But also then what is the things for her that she can turn to him and say, this is meaningful for you to do as my husband. And then come up with those base, basic agreements. And um, once you've done that, I think then it's important to recognize, like never take then the other person for granted. So if, even though we've agreed um, I'm going to cook for you. So for us, for instance, on the weekends, I cook for you while you take care of the puppies, right? So you'll feed them, you'll give them their medication while I'm doing the food, making sure that you've got everything you want for the weekend, cooking, all of that. Um, and then sometimes we'll do it at the same time or whatever, but we agree to that. And um, I've forgotten where I was going with that. Oh, wow. It's building towards something magical. Um, hmm. No. Anyway, coming anyway, to agreements yeah. and understandings about the things you're going to do, absolutely critical. Right. Now, there was a second part. It was, I said, let's deal with the um, all things are equal. And then the other was, what? Oh, 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 sorry. I was saying basically thinking each other. That's where I was going with it. So even though... Showing appreciation. Showing appreciation. Thank you. So even though we've agreed, and every week it is pretty much exactly the same. Right. You take care of the puppies, I take care of you. Like that is our agreement. But you always, without fail, thank me a million times for making your To food. the point where you made fun of me. Oh, it wasn't making fun of him. But like, like I think your exact words were something like, all right, motherfucker, like, I get it. Don't, no, you don't but have it, to keep thinking. And of course, that comes from a very sweet place. Because if you never thank me, I'd be saying the opposite. Like, yeah, right. you never thank me. You just take it for granted now. But even though you've agreed to it, even though you've sat down, even though it's been five years that you guys still do the same thing, show appreciation. And I think that will help as well because she said that he only does it for like maybe a couple of weeks. Right. So making sure that he's doing it because he wants to, right? Like having that agreement. Ooh, I want you to want to do the dishes. No, having the agreement then, is that better phrasing? It is. So It's much better. So making sure that you both have the agreement that yes. you're doing this, I'm doing this. And that you actually agree. And that you actually agree, yes. exactly. And then you show your appreciation for each other for doing it. So going above and beyond and thanking somebody or showing in other ways, like, you know what, it really was meaningful to me that you picked up your clothes today. Like, that actually really was important. Thank you for doing that. Like, those little things are little, like, just encouragements. Because then when people take it for granted, it's like, man, I, I know we agreed to it and everything, but now it does feel contractual. Now mm. it does, it's taken the complete emotion out of it. And then you're ready for the really hard part? If you can't agree on fundamental values, like really open yourself up with compassion and empathy and really try to understand their position. Don't just like go into it. This is what I think and that's that. But if after that whole process, you're still like, dude, the way that you view the world to me is, is gross. That's when you part ways. And I just, 
I have, so hold two competing ideas in your head. Mm -hmm. I'm going to live forever. And I know I could die before the end of this podcast. I'm so hyper aware of the friction that exists between those two things. I just refuse to live a life that is not a hundred percent what I want. Mm -hmm. It does not make sense to me to stay in a loveless marriage where the other person's worldview to you is just disgusting. And even if it doesn't start out as being disgusting, it's just like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't like the way I can appreciate it. It will grate on that person until it becomes resentment and contempt. So talking through it, doing the hard work, going to therapy if you need to. But if at the end of it, you have a collision of values on like those pillar items, Mm. dude, that thank you so much. We will find a way to co-parent intelligently. I've seen it done. I know it's possible. That to me is just way better than staying in a totally dysfunctional relationship where the person's every action grates on your fucking nerves. Yeah. And I just want to just one other thing. I know we really don't have too much time left, but the one thing also is why she's like, she's so angry that he doesn't do it. Right. So I'm actually curious. Is that the real reason? Like, is it that he doesn't pick up his clothes or he doesn't help around the house? Or is it that you're not feeling like a real partnership? Right. Like I've told him to help me with this and he doesn't. So some people may interpret that as he doesn't love me anymore. And so I think that that's, you know, is that the, um, what's the phrase that you use? It's like, it's not the real reason. It's the. I don't know that I have a phrase for that. It's the T argument. Yeah. Is the way you're not was, really arguing about the fact that the he surface, doesn't. You're at the surface, talking symptoms. Yeah. So really is, I don't feel like he hears me. I don't feel like he supports me. Um, that's what I think she really Chase, needs to assess. Chase, will you write this question down in like some permanent log? This is so interesting. I I think there's a universe of questions like this that we haven't tapped into yet that is like so powerful. Yeah, I need to go harder. Thank you so much for that question. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. All right, so we've got time for one last question. All right, right, this comes from... um, Oh, let's do a YouTube question. Let's do it. All right, this comes from Ben Williamson. Tom and Lisa, love the show. Recently, my girlfriend of two years made a passing comment about keeping her last name and if, when we get married. I pressed her on this and her reasoning involved her being an only child and love of appreciation for her dad and grandpa. We ultimately tabled the discussion. Her reasons are rational and I respect them, but this really bothers me, which I indicated to her. I want my family to share the same last name and although we are certainly equals in the relationship, I do see myself as an alpha and want her to take my name. Am I being irrational? How can I convey this without sounding insensitive? Hashtag impact subs. Well, what is up impact subs? Um, I have, I have an answer if you want me to go first. Yeah. Cause I think our answers are different. That's interesting. Well then I really can't wait to hear your answer. Um, so here is the truth. It, it would have been a ferocious sticking point for me. Had you not wanted to take my name, a real problem. And so going back in the relationship, like back then, how would I have handled it? Whoa, I'm not entirely sure. Here's a thought exercise with many years of experience down the road. Would you take her last name? No. Would you make up a last name made from your two names put together? No. So are you being irrational? Obviously. 
but are you being truthful to yourself? Probably. So now you have a collision of values where, and I fully get it. And what she is saying is a completely reasonable stance. I am more attached to my family lineage, my family name. I have a stronger desire to show respect to my father and my family than I have a desire to show respect to you, to adopt your name. It's part of my identity to have this name. I'm not necessarily into switching it. That is, that is one of those, it's indefensibly valid. Boy. Like, of course. Boy. Like, if that's where she's at and that's how she feels, 100%. So she has every right to that. that like, once you realize you would not reciprocate, you would not do the same for her. And the more terrifying one, you wouldn't even make up a new name to go under. So you're or saying... hyphen, which is what a lot of people do these yeah, days. Yeah, both names. A lot <laughs> of people... Exaggerate. Like, I'm going to say that that's less than a half of 1% of people wow. that do that. For sure. Because there's so much cultural baggage of like the woman takes the man's name that I, I'm a pretty like enlightened dude and I'm here to tell you I would feel emasculated. So I would never take your name. That's just never gonna happen. So we may end up in a position where like there's no universe in which I would divorce you over that, obviously. So if you were like tomorrow, I'm changing my name back, I would be crestfallen. Mm -hmm. I would go, whoa, there's really something going on here that I'm not aware of, but I wouldn't part ways, but I would not if you said, you know what, like we've done 17 or 15 years now with your last name, let's do the next 15 <laughs> with mine and be like, not going to happen. So once you understand that, like I'm not prepared to reciprocate. So how can I look at you and say, well, that's just madness, right? It's purely a cultural assumption. So I would very rapidly find myself in that position where I'd be like, it sucks. It hurts. It really stings me. It really bothers me given my viewpoint and all of that. But it is not a foundational pillar to this relationship. So if that's true, like move on. Now the I want the alpha role and I have absolutely no intention of fighting anyone for it, which by the way is true. Um, I, and I would not be in a relationship like that where I had to fight for the alpha position. That holds zero interest for me. And I, here's the thing. Let's get really freaky for a second. I could break somebody. If they were trying to compete with me for the alpha, I can break them. But that's so grotesque. Like to do that is so disgusting. Like I couldn't look myself in the face if I was like, I'm not prepared to hold co-alpha. So now either I break them or I go my own way. I would never do And it seems process. like he associates being alpha with then carrying the name. I totally get that. 100%. I, I feel exactly the same. So I think... I just have a process that goes beyond that. Also, like, so I guess another question is, like, if he, um, if she kept her name, because that's meaningful to her, but he's like, I want my family to have my same last name. What if she kept her name and you had your kids' names after him? That's an option. Yeah. Or if you do then the hyphenated, or if her last name becomes your kid's middle name, like trying to find some way to um, really respect each other's wishes, because like you said, like, no one's right right? Like they both feel the way they feel. So one doesn't, isn't more valid than the other. 
I think that just society um, has made it seem like the woman should take his last name, but I don't think that's the case. I think it should be an equal, a discussion. I wanted to take your last name. That was very meaningful to me because I'm very traditional like that. Um, but it doesn't make him right and her wrong. So if she wants to keep the name, he wants his family to have, like, what kind of compromise can you come up with? Um, because it's very important to make sure that you have that discussion and you respect the other person. Now, the one thing that I really want to make sure that people do with thing in situations like this is once you've decided, own it. Because the last thing you want, because this will be for life, that let's say you decide, okay, she's going to keep her last name, I'm going to keep mine. And you go on vacation and someone calls her by the other last, by, you know, the man's last name. Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, Mr. and Mrs. Bill you. She'd be like, oh no, actually, I'm Mrs. Charolambus. You've got to make sure that there's no animosity still there because that will come out, right? Whether it's a tut, whether it's an eye roll or like you've got to own whatever decision they make as a couple. They've got to like fully embed it, embed it, love it, own it. And um, yeah, because that thing, that will five, 10 years down the line, I think really become an issue. If, if, they, if they're resentful towards the other person, they made me change my name. Right. So. Yeah, that's a sticky one. Yeah. And with that, we're wow. out of time. All right, guys. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the questions in this episode. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. It's amazing. As always, if this feed is adding value, please do share it. It is how we build the community. As you know, that's a huge part of our long-term strategy. We have to build an amazing community. You guys have been incredible. This community is absurdly awesome. Uh, we're very grateful. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.